0: We are talking about MotoGP, MotoGP Fantasy, motorcycles, and just the general love of life. This is Wheel to Real. What's up, Ty? Hey, not much.
1: All right. Here's the thing. All right. Lay it on me. I was thinking about how what we could talk about today, because last you know, episode, we got to talk about your trip to Germany and all that, which was very exciting, and I don't do anything like that that's to that level of <laughs> uh, interesting, but... My thought was, is I swung by Morton's BMW today and I saw some cool motorcycles there and got me to thinking like, if I could have someone just give me a bike, like a normal bike within reason, not something just absolutely HP4. <laughs> yeah. Not nothing, anything just ridiculous, but
0: Honda Fireblade,
1: you know, if, if somebody could give you a bike tomorrow to just ride and have. You know, what would you want?
0: Hmm. I was actually, I mean, okay, I mean, like, we're talking like a dream bike. I mean, within reason, or are we just talking like what would be a good starter bike or like what would be like a good...
1: No, for you, like what would you just want?
0: Oh, I already have a bike that I want off the like top of my head. I've been drooling over it for <laughs> the last, my, like, my whole life. Well, not really my whole life, but since 2009 when it came out. Um, it got a lot of hate when it came out, but it's a Ducati. I know, surprising, because I like to make fun of Ducatis and the whole duck pond. But <laughs> um, I still think one of the coolest bikes out there is the Ducati Custom 1000. Which, if you don't know what that is, look it up. Ducati Custom 1000. It's this cafe racer bike, and it is beautiful. Actually, they they showed it in uh, Tron, the new Tron movie that came out. The the main character had it, and. Oh my gosh. It's got in like the gold inverted suspension. It's uh so I mean like it rides like a sport bike, but it looks like a million bucks. You know? Like this is the kind of thing that you can go carve up the canyon and then pull up to like, you know, the restaurant, everyone's gonna turn their head. Yeah, that's They're, that's a cool looking motorcycle. You look like a Hollywood star, you ride that thing. And the thing is, it doesn't just look cool, it rides well. And I think that is something that's really important to me because there's a lot of bikes out there that look cool as heck, but it's just just sucks to ride.
1: I will say that this reminds me a lot of the um, the BMW 9T. However, yes. it doesn't have those giant things sticking out on the sides. So, I like... Which makes it look better,
0: in my opinion. I like the boxer engine. Don't get me wrong. But I think this is a better sounding motorcycle. It's got that twin grumble. And I think twins are just the superior sounding but like engine, hands down. Um but it also i think it's it's just maybe it is the narrower portion of it but i also i've sat on one mhm and it just feels more premium which is really weird to say that something else can feel more premium than a BMW right <laughs> but i do think that like a standard um R9T um i just it it still feels i mean if you were compared a standard R9T to literally any other bike in that category, it's going to feel like a million bucks, but the Ducati custom is just, it's like, it's, they only made so many of those things. Right. It's a bit different.
1: Well, and we actually got to pretty much sit on every R9T that exists, you know, because Morton's had all of them for a little while. So we went inside and they still have a few of them, but, um, that's an interesting bike. I'm interested. It's, it's interesting to me that you picked a cafe racer style. Um, but it clearly, I mean, it's this thing's got, like, some sick uh, Dunlop tires that I'm sure will just stick to a track.
0: Oh, I mean, the cool thing about it, too, is I just, I love sport bikes. Don't get me wrong. But I just think they look kind of stupid on the road, if I'm <laughs> being completely honest. Sure. I mean, like, if I see, you know, a Honda Fireblade going around the corner, I'm going to be like, okay, that looks cool. But it just looks out of place on the street. You mm-hmm. know? Like those new Ducati Street Fighters. Oh my gosh, that they're just, they look wicked. They look like straight sin. <laughs> um,
1: uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, that's a cool bike. That's a cool bike. So, you know, for me, mine's not nearly as cool, I don't think. Uh, but it's just, I, I've talked to you about this. So since I've had my, you know, 310, I've kind of wanted something just a little bit bigger, more in like the... 600 cc range up. yeah He's i know it's up. just crazy So cute. um and you know so as i was looking at that i've considered the bmw f900r it's just really heavy yeah i've true. not ridden one they have one at morton's right now and i'm really considering going to test riding it just so that i can ride one and feel it yeah yeah because i think that it will feel pretty similar to my bike because it's a bmw yeah um but every bike that i've ridden if you can't tell he's a bmw fanboy (laughs) i don't know that i would call myself a fanboy but i do really like them um every bike that i've ridden (laughs) every bike that i've ridden has not felt as good as my bike which is interesting to me because i've ridden some really nice bikes like um, even your dad's Duke, like I just didn't feel, it didn't feel as good. Um, now I rode a Ninja 300, not that long ago and believe it or not, that's a really nice feeling bike to
0: ride. Oh yeah. Although I will say I went on a ride with a couple of friends on the, the on the Duke and I just thought I was like putting along, didn't think I was going that fast. And then I turned around and I'm like, where did they go?
1: <laughs> that thing is pretty peppy. Yeah. Um, but so with that being said, like as I'm looking at what what might I want, I've con- I considered the Triumph Trident, but I've never gotten to actually see one in person because we went to the Triumph dealership and they didn't have any. Um, wah, wah, wah. We went and me and you went and looked at that uh, uh, Street, street triple, triple. Yeah, rode that super cool bike. Just didn't feel super comfortable on it. Um, not that it wasn't great and fun. It just wasn't really m- for me. I don't think. Yeah. And then. I've ridden your dad's S1000. Love that bike. Oh gosh, it's yeah. just a great motorcycle.
0: That one though is zero to go to jail, right? Really
1: and that fast. that to me is and you just, can do that all in first gear. Yeah, that's out of my. <laughs> I think that's I think that's just too far for me. Um, but it's nice to know that your dad will let me ride his if I want to. <laughs> yep. but so I, with that being said, I narrowed it down to I would like to try to ride the F900R and see what that's it's cool. like. That'd be cool. But I think what will be the winner, if I could just say I want one without any context of knowing what it's like, it would be the two hundred six sixty the Aprilia. Oh, gosh. That is because just... let me tell you, that is a beautiful machine and it only weighs like 55 pounds more than my bike.
0: Look, anything Aprilia <laughs> is just a different kind of sin. Like you got Ducati sin, you got Aprilia sin. Yeah, they're both Italian. (laughs) Yeah, both Italian, but very different. Ducati sin is like I just look; it looks like it wants to just swallow everything in front of it. Right. Aprilia sin is like I feel like I need to go like check myself out after I look at one. It's just (laughs) so good looking. Well, it's interesting
1: because I I I look at the Aprilia and I go, my bike weighs a little under three hundred or yeah three hundred fifty pounds. The Aprilia. The 660 on only weighs like just, uh, just like right at 400 pounds. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. But it will go a whole lot faster.
0: <laughs> I think uh, um, Dave's new Stars and Stripes one arrives, I think, this week. Oh, man. So, I'm really excited to hear how he likes that new bike. I Personally, I think that
1: I would love that bike. I just haven't had an opportunity to ride one. Yeah. And I would like to because I think that what I like about the feel of my bike I would find on that one. That so let's light. go to Austin,
0: Texas and ask Dave to <laughs> test ride that bike. Dave, will you let uh, Dakota test ride your bike? <laughs> you guys have never met before, but that is uh, a match made in heaven. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Dave, I hear you're cool. So I'm down. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I just thought that would be interesting. So the custom, I agree with you, though. Like sports bikes look a little out of place on, yeah. the, on the road. And I actually really like the Cafe Racer style as well. Yeah. Yeah. My brother-in-law actually has a uh, Honda. It's a 72, I think. Yeah. Um, And it's pretty cool. He's rebuilt it. He got it for like 300 bucks, and it had been sitting outside next to a barn for like its whole life. Uh, But he's got it rebuilt. It goes on the road, and he's got... You know clip-ons on it. It's pretty sick. Yeah, it's cool. So, we will post some pictures on the Instagram of the bikes that we would like to have. So Ty's gonna find like the perfect picture of this Ducati oh, custom.
0: There's, there's no such thing as an imperfect picture. It could be <laughs> pixelated, and you could look through it and be like, "Ah, oh, that thing just looks sick." And I, I can't, I can't see it, but I, I know exactly that it's, it's gonna be a cool bike.
1: Um, so we'll post a couple pictures of those. Um, but. Wanted to take a, just a second and tell you about our friends over at Lone Prepper. Um, uh, yeah. L-O-N-E, not loan like a car loan. Um, they have everything that you need, uh, survival stuff, outdoor equipment, tents, hammocks, water bottles, knives, whatever you can think of. They pretty much got it. If you're worried about the end of the world, like many people are, go check them out. You can get 10% off with code WHEEL2WHEEL wheel and... They'll hook you up. It's good stuff.
0: Sounds good. I actually, their website looks pretty sick too.
1: Yeah, and I gotta be very, very for, forward and honest with you. I am a partial owner in this company, and I kind of like it. It's pretty cool. So <laughs> um, you know, I'm 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 saying that uh, a little bit biased, knowing that it's awesome, but. I think it's awesome. You should think it's awesome. You should take advantage of the 10% off. Um, Shipping is usually within three to five days. So, you know, it's not your Amazon two-day shipping, but it's better than
0: Amazon. So, Well, I mean, that's not saying a whole lot. It's got more character than Amazon. Facts. Amazon's got the character of, well, it it just doesn't.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and we're always looking at our inventory, trying to shape that, make it better. So, make sure you jump over to LonePrepper.com, check it out, and, you know, do all the things. Buy the stuff.
0: I also just uh, kind of get back on motorcycles. I feel like I have to put a disclaimer out there because we're putting out our favorite motorcycles. And this is just a you know, quick tip. If you are never ridden before or maybe you're a brand new rider and you want to know what a good bike to start with. BMW G310R.
1: It's perfect. Um,
0: that, that's a great bike.
1: It's a great beginner bike.
0: I'm just going to say what not to do. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what bikes to have. I think an SV650, a Ninja 400, a G310 are all fantastic bikes to ride. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I hear a lot of people say is, I don't well, I don't like the way it looks. Uh, but my best word of advice is don't get a bike that you're going to want to keep forever for your first bike. Get the first bike for your first season of riding. Sell it. Take good care of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Because if you get a bike that you hate and you don't sell it, you hold on to it, You know, I hear a lot of people, a lot lot of people lately have been wanting a Vulcan 750. And first of all, don't get that bike. It's a terrible (laughs) bike. Um, They're just not great. I get the, I think a lot of people get it because they want that Harley style. But my big thing is don't get anything above, um, don't honestly get anything really above a 400. And the only, only exception for that is if it's a 650. Because more often than not, a 650 is actually geared towards a similar power range Mm -hmm. as a 400. So I'd say anywhere between a 400 or 650 are great. I think, you know, Ninja 250, KTM 390, all those bikes are fantastic. And I think the nice thing about them is they tend to be the smaller bikes have a more relaxed Mm -hmm. um, setting. So you're not super far laid back like a cruiser, but you're not super far leaned forward like a sport bike. Yeah. They kind of look like a sport bike. Very neutral. Yeah, you can get a naked one. Yeah, like Um, the
1: M series with Yamaha are really good.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, the FZ07 is a. MT07 uh, now. now, yeah. The MT07 is a great, great starter bike. Yeah, MT03
1: is um, a little bit of a weenie,
0: but you know, uh, I,
1: it, I, it would be, it wouldn't be bad for a season and then just get rid of it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the my big thing, and this is why I said I kind of put this out there is, I love the Ducati Custom 1000. If you have the money to buy it and you've never ridden a motorcycle, still don't buy it. Yeah, bad decision. It's, <laughs> a, it's, you know, even though it's a naked bike, it's still really fast. And I think the biggest thing is, it's not like driving a car. I mean, I think even if you got a really, really fast car, I think it's easier to do on a motorcycle because they're just so much cheaper. So you can get yourself into a lot more trouble a lot quicker Mm -hmm. on a motorcycle, and you don't have two extra wheels to stabilize yourself.
1: Well, that and, you know, getting a leader bike and taking it on the road, what's the
0: point? There's not. I mean, you know what I mean? Unless you're a pro rider, you're not going to get everything out of that.
1: Right. Well, and I, you know, I ride a, th- a 310 on the road all the time and it's plenty enough. The only time that I find that it, I wish that it had a little bit more on the road is when I'm, you know, on a highway. And, yeah. you know, because it, it's a little rough when you're right. you got a one cylinder and you're going 70 miles an yeah, hour. the
0: squirrels it, are running faster.
1: Yeah. Well, it just, it gets a, a little buzzy. So it's a little frustrating. It would be nice to have a little yeah. bit more. Um,
0: He's got more flies in the backside of his head (laughs) in the front. (laughs)
1: Stop. (laughs) Um, So, so yeah, I fully agree with you, though, Ty.
0: Yeah, the other big thing is if you're going to go the cruiser route and you're not doing the sport bikes, um, just also bear in mind your front brake is, like, significantly less effective on a cruiser because your butt is above the rear wheel Mm. uh, versus in front of it. So instead of using your front brake, you have to use more of your rear brake. So all the, like, the riding things that you would learn at a traditional school Kind of go out the window on a see, that's a
1: really good tip because i started out in college on a cruiser mm-hmm. and you know and this is a good thing to know like i rode a cruiser it was an 800 that was my first bike and yeah. it was a little too much yeah. um and i didn't really know what i was doing i uh, rode that for about a little over a year got rid of it and then didn't ride for several years but instead of jumping right back in at the 800 or higher range I went back to the three hundreds, yep. you know, and it was a great decision. I actually love my bike, and I would like to keep it forever just because I think it's awesome.
0: Well, I have I have two quick, quick quick stories. One's kind of like a culmination of a bunch, and it's just I have had a lot of friends buy motorcycles that were too big or too fast, and the ones that were too big, they would drop the bike, and they would have a hard time picking it up, and that mm-hmm. would always happen when there's people watching, you know. And <laughs> that's never it, happened to you, Ty. If you. If, if you <laughs> You suck. Uh, but, I mean, if it happens and you have, like, a, you know, a 900-pound motorcycle, then, you know, it's going to be a struggle. And if you've never mm-hmm. picked one up and you're nervous, you're, you know, you're shaking, or, like, you just constantly feel like you're going to drop it. And then, obviously, the too fast bike, that's just, you know, I've seen plenty of people crash one of those and just in a parking lot because they, they just spun the rear wheel. Yeah. Uh, but the other one, I have a friend that bought a kickstarting motorcycle for that was street legal. It was really cool, Cafe Racer kickstarted. But every time we went anywhere, I had to kickstart it for him.
2: Mm. So,
0: you know how embarrassing it is to be out at a restaurant. Everyone's looking at this really cool motorcycle that you've restored because you're, you hey, know. Hey,
1: can you come start this for me?
0: And then he would just go <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I'd walk over, first kick every time. <laughs> and I think the one time he did get it, it stalled. And like he's like, let the clutch out too fast and stalled it. And the then worst. I had to come kick it again. So, it's just the like, worst. I think he sold it. <laughs> I don't think he's gotten another motorcycle since. So. You just ruined him. So, All right, so, well, man.
1: let's let's get into racing. Um, we talked way too long about that, but um, racing. So we watched the, um, not the third race. What was this, the fifth race? Fourth race? Mm-hmm. Fifth? Uh, f- fourth. 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 Coda was three. So this is the fourth race um, in the 2019 season. Uh, we were in Spain at Jerez. And just a little bit about this uh, circuit, it's about 2.7 miles long, so significantly shorter than Coda. Coda was a lot longer, we talked about that last week. Uh, it's a lot um, more narrow, where Coda was, uh, what was it, 15, is it meters, I guess, is what they're measuring in? Yeah. 15 meters wide, where um, Jerez is only 11 I mean that's like a significant difference. Oh yeah, you know because you were pointing out how wide Coda is.
0: I mean there are some, I don't know um, there were some parts of the track and I don't know this could translate to meters, but when I was talking to the corner workers, they were saying there there were some that was as far as sixty feet wide. Whoa! Cool. I don't know what that translates to meters, but it's a wide. We're trail. American. Yeah. <laughs> so if you, if you couldn't tell from our accent, yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, Jerez has not or eight right corners five left corners and its longest straight is 0.37 miles um so it's a very 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 point and shoot track which is why you know somebody with a number 93 has pretty much dominated this for a lot of years um so yeah it's been around since 1986 pretty cool
0: i always thought it kind of looked like pluto like the dog got like his tongue hanging out, out.
1: I can see that. So if you could see the the image of the track, um, it kind of does it, it looks like a Picasso Pluto. Pluto. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> so our starting grid was a little bit different this time than it has been in our last races. Our pole position was Fabio Quattararo, our our rookie here. So what, 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 Hey listen. It was a sad race for him, not because of anything that he did. But he got pole position here. That was a really big deal. Second place was Franco Morbidelli. So the two Patronus boys are first and second in qualifying for this race, which was kind of crazy. Well, it's just um, crazy that
0: Franco's doing something.
1: Yeah, well, he ended up doing nothing. So, well, uh, <laughs> Surprise. Yeah. Not really. Uh, and then Mark Marquez in third place, Davizioso in fourth, Maverick Vinales in fifth. Cal Crutchlow in sixth. I'm just always kind of rooting for Cal there. Um, Danilo Petrucci in seventh place. Takanakagami in eighth. Ninth is Alex Renz, which it's really impressive what he did during this race.
0: Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah. Uh, Francesco Bagnai. I, I keep saying Francesco because it's written there, but it's Pecco Bagnai. um, Tenth place. Jorge Lorenzo in 11th. Juan Mir in 12th. Womp womp. <laughs> Valentino Rossi in 13th He did not qualify well here Which is weird because The Satellite team did great <laughs> In qualifying And even Vinales did really well Considering uh, Stefan Broddles in 14th Jack Miller in 15th Aleish Esperargo in 16th Pole Esperargo in 17th Their brothers hanging right out there And jo- Joanne Zarco in 18th He just has been Terrible so far this season. Yeah, well, he's on a Pramac. He's on KTM.
0: Or he's on KTM. Oh, that's yeah. Um <laughs> about that.
1: Um, and then you've got Bradley Smith oh. on an Aprilia. So I'm not really sure what happened there. Iononi is not in any anymore for this race. So weird. Uh, Tito Rabat in twentieth. Uh, Carol Abraham in twenty first. Miguel Oliveira in twenty second. So our fourth rookie there just doing awful and then right, we gotta learn how to pronounce that. yeah I know we gotta figure it out I have no it idea it just gets
0: progressively more offensive the longer we go <laughs>
1: Uh, if if he's listening, which, the PC
2: police are which to be sure after us. it's
1: fine. It's fine. Um, it it's a really really odd spelling, so I really don't know how to say it. But he was in 23rd. He he's is just really digging yourself deeper. It's fine. <laughs> he's really not done well at all so far in the 2019 season. But let's talk about our podium here. Our podium finishers in first place, Mark Marquez
0: at 70 points.
1: Yeah, that dude was really far ahead in this race. Well,
0: I mean, honestly, he did the same thing he did the last race. He just, just did didn't crash.
1: crash. <laughs> well, in second place was Alex Renz, who started in ninth place. Whoa. Blew my mind. He absolutely
0: kind of killed it. We'll have to talk more about that in one of the hot takes.
1: Yeah. Well, and then in third place was Maverick Vinales, which, whatever. <laughs> you know, um... So that puts our current world champion standing for 2019 at this point is Mark Marquez in first with 70 points. Alex Renz trailing one point behind him with 69 points. Andre Davizioso with 67 points, so only three points off the lead. Rossi is coming in with 61 points, nine points off the lead. Uh, Danilo Petrucci is with has got 41 points so there's this is where we start seeing a big discrepancy as soon as you get to fourth place it's your you know or fifth place you're 29 points off the lead that's significant um, Maverick Vinales in 6th with uh, 30 points Jack Miller in seventh with 29 points takanakagami in eighth with 29 points as well um, so they're tied I guess don't Don't really know how they determine who gets seventh or eighth there, but um, Cal Crutchlow is in ninth with 27 points, and Franco Morbidelli is coming in with 10th place with 25 points, which is the only reason that he's in 10th place and not Fabio is because what happened to Fabio in this race was tragic a tragic mechanical failure. Travesty. Because he was in second place. Oh, yeah. And he was absolutely doing great. He couldn't get it up to third. Yeah, I mean, it just, he couldn't yeah, shift out of third gear. He just, the bike would not shift, and he had to retire. It was really dumb. <laughs> so, Fabio ends up with the mechanical. However, he's still leading the Rookie of the Year race at this point because Oliveira finished 18th, Peco crashed, and Juan Mir crashed. So, the rookies did awful in this race.
0: Yeah, it wasn't great. Um, I will still say though, this is a very, very tightly packed top 10. Yeah. Cause I mean the first, the first four are still, I mean like nine point difference between them. Um, and then I think the other crazy thing is, I mean, even though Franco Morbidelli is in 45th or he's 45 points away, mm-hmm. that's still,
1: I mean, we're only five races in.
0: Yeah. I mean like all it takes is like the top four guys to crash and then it, that all just changes or four me. races in. Gosh yeah i mean I mean one crash really changes that hmm um you know two crashes changed that and uh it it it's just not that Franco Morbidelli would ever do anything um, yeah but you know with that being said, it's still i think it's cool to see how much different the writing was then as it is today
1: yeah just to just to point out Franco Morbidelli ended up finishing seventh overall in this race which i i just feel like is very pitiful because he was on track to get a podium for most of the race and then he just completely loses it and everybody passes him like he's sitting still. I just
0: I, he he baffles me a little bit because I think he was such a good rider. But I just feel like he never
1: Yeah, I don't really know what happened with Franco. I don't know if it was Fabio coming in and being so good and it just messed him up. I because everybody thought that Franco would be Fabio and he's not. Um, because I mean, Fabio, this is really, I know I said a couple episodes ago, is this where we started to see a little pizzazz from Fabio, but this is really where people started going, Oh, this guy is for real because he was going to finish second place in that race. Cause he had a huge gap between him and third place, you know, just like Mark had a huge gap between him and second place and his bike just quit working. That was the only thing that happened to him, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, and then, I think the thing that I think people also forget, like when you see riders get emotional, it it's not like this was just you know twenty minutes for him. You know, races are typically forty five. Mm-hmm. You get to finish. Um, oh, he al- fell
1: apart in the paddock.
0: But you also <laughs> have to remember too. I mean, he spent that entire weekend. You you spend like days. Yeah. Testing your bike, you know, with free practices, and then you have qualifying. You work really hard to qualify in a good position, and then and then you get pole position. Yeah, and then you get pole, and then just to kind of lose it. So you've spent, like, days of your life to get nothing. Yeah. Because you get zero points when that happens. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, sorry, it wasn't your fault. We'll give you some pity points. No, you get nothing.
2: Yeah,
1: you get absolutely
0: nothing. And if we were playing soccer, it would be nil.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So overall, this was a pretty boring race compared to some of the ones that we've seen. However. I got what I wanted. (laughs) Yeah. However, Renz gave us the most excitement in that he worked his way up from ninth place and ended up in 2nd place. So he won his first race in COTA, and then he gets 2nd place the following race in Jerez. It's pretty impressive what he's doing. Because, like, he's on the Suzuki. This is, this is where the Suzuki really started, like, shining. And you were like, oh, like I said last time, this is the rise of Suzuki right here that you're seeing. And this is why we are so upset that Suzuki bailed on MotoGP. Yeah, what the heck, Suzuki? You know, there's nothing we can do about it. It's done. They're gone. But watching how this works and how they have moved up and where they started, it's just pretty incredible. And the fact that they just kept the same two riders the whole time. Yeah. You know, that's, in my experience of watching... Doesn't happen. The riders rotate a lot, especially like the second person on the team rotates out a lot, and Suzuki has has stuck with their two guys the whole time.
0: Honestly, I feel like MotoGP teams and management works a lot like the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah. I mean all of the teams. It's not just one specifically. Ducati's probably treats them the worst historically, but um I feel like they just instead of focusing a lot on the bike and building it around a single rider and holding on to that person, they kinda like it's Cleveland Browns just keeps getting new quarterbacks thinking it's gonna solve their problem. Yeah. But it doesn't, you know. So I think that's one of the f- smart things that Aprilia did was sign that contract with Lacey Spirago mm-hmm. and Maverick Vinales. As as much as I'm not a huge fan of Maverick. I still think that was smart. Some consistency there. Uh, because, I mean, every time you switch bike, every riders... You start over. You start over. I mean, because yeah. that bike... it just. I mean, like, Mark Marquez is going to want his bike a different way than... Yeah. I mean, even though that you can make bikes differently, no one could ride the Honda other than Mark for the right. longest time. So, it's just, you know, changing riders a lot, um, I think, has... A, not like a, it's not like a neutral thing it has a negative impact
1: well i think that what you're saying is very reflected in how bad jorge lorenzo is in this because we just looked up before we started this like all the a bunch of different stats for riders and i didn't realize how good jorge lorenzo oh, was he's one of the
0: greatest runner gp riders of all time Well, because
1: i didn't the only season i've ever really seen him in is this one and he's tr- hot trash like he is terrible on this bike oh, yeah you know, but I think that you're making a really great point with that, in that he switched to the Honda and he just was, wasn't as good, and they're not going to listen to him because Mark Marquez
0: is riding the Honda and doing great. You yeah. know. Well, I think what Jorge Lorenzo, honestly, the biggest mistake he ever made was leaving Yamaha, mm. and he did that for the bigger paycheck at Ducati, but then he couldn't do anything at Ducati, and so Ducati didn't renew his contract, and so he went to Honda. Um, I think if he had stayed at Yamaha, he potentially would have
1: had a couple more world championships. Oh, I
0: think he though he would at least have been a contender. because yeah. I mean, the thing about Jorge Lorenzo is his strategy was always he gets out in the front of the paddock. And then you and can't it, catch him. He just does not make mistakes. Does not. He's the smoothest rider ever in the paddock. He just mm. he is just is consistent. Um but you know, he just went to Ducati, they didn't listen to him. All he needed was a gas tank. Then he became fast. I still, <laughs> even though I didn't like Jorge Lorenzo, that still frustrates me to no end. Right.
1: So uh, the last thing we really need to talk about from this race is, I know we talk about Mark a lot, but you can't, in this era, talk about MotoGP without talking about Mark Marquez. You just can't do it. It's If you do, you're missing a whole like piece. That's one of the reasons why, instead of doing... Um, Motor GP Unlimited again. Instead, Amazon Prime is going to come out with a five-episode docuseries on Mark Marquez this coming year. And it's going to be about his comeback to Motor GP because it's that big of a deal.
0: (laughs) Well, I think it's crazy because, I mean, without Mark Marquez there this last season, it was Ducati, 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 Fabio. And the thing is, Fabio is...
1: Ducati, Fabio, Ducati, 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 Ducati. Okay, fair, fair.
0: <laughs> um, but I think the crazy thing is Fabio just doesn't carve up the pack, and it, partially that is because it's kind of hard to do if you're the only non-Ducati rider, right? Um, but Mark Marquez tends to just—I mean, Fabio had a couple of races where he just attacked people, like the last race of 2022. Was awesome. I mean, he just was like just absolutely carving. Mark it.
1: Marquez like, is always merciless, though.
0: Oh, always. I mean, he like embraces like. The way of the warrior, Bushido. You know, well, <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely. That's because he he's had
1: Takanakagame on his team for so long. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but one of the things that I really liked about <laughs> about about Mark, about Mark um, is the whole time that he was out, he was he's basically like Fabio's hype man. He talked how about how he thinks that Fabio is the best racer in the paddock, like. Every single time. Yeah. And that's why when I said, like, what if Mark went to Yamaha? I think he and Fabio really, they get along pretty well. And I think that they could be a pretty cool team.
0: The thing with Mark Marquez, though, is I'm not going to say he's notorious, but I think he has a history of having great relations with riders that go terribly sour. Yeah, until they're on the team together. You know who his hero was before he entered MotoGP? Oh, it was Valak. Valentino Rossi. Yeah. And when he, his first few races, they would shake hands mm-hmm. after the race. And then they hated each other. <laughs> and then it went from that to complete hatred. Not yeah. even just a little bit. Like, the guys would not even talk to each other in the paddock. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. And then you have Rossi calling him slurs in, in interviews. Not slurs. That sounds bad. Uh, they
1: were kicking each other on the track. And <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, the reason I bring up Mark is because Mark, at this point has had nine straight podiums at Jerez. Like he has, every single time he has gotten on this track, he was on the podium at at a minimum. And in this period of time, he had six victories. Six of those podiums, six out of nine, he was on the top step. I mean, that is incredible. So I thought that it was pretty important to mention that because when we get to our hot take in a little bit, that's going to matter a lot. Is thinking about how good Mark is in Spain and what he's accomplished there because you know if he can't do that in the future, what does that say?
0: I think the biggest thing to watch with Mark Marquez, and I don't know if he's gonna stay on Honda till the end of his career, or I mean, he, maybe he does that, he stays to the end of his career, but his end of his career is twenty twenty three, right? Um, I think the first few races that we'll see this next year, it's gonna be a different Mark. I don't think we'll see the same Mark Marquez.
1: No, we'll never see the the Uh, same one that we're seeing. But I mean, I
0: think you could see as successful. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he could be doing as well, but it's going to be a completely different style. I think he's probably going to be forced to adapt something closer to Valentino Rossi. I don't think he'll ever just be able to settle for fourth. Um, But he's going to have to adapt his riding style because even though his surgery has fixed his arm, I don't think he's going to have the same mobility um, or the same stamina when it comes to crashing. Like if he does crash, he's just not gonna recover the same. Well,
1: one. and he's already said if he has to go through another major like recovery process that he'll just not do I it. I don't anymore. believe that for a second. You don't think so? No. Not at all. I don't know, man. I this think one was been, pretty bad.
0: I think he said that after like not having really been able to win a lot of races. But I think the second he starts winning again, is if, if it's scapel or stop winning, he's gonna choose scapel every time.
1: I don't know, man, because, I I, I mean, he's got people saying, yeah, scalpel, but you got to think about the rest of your life and being not able to move, you know what I mean? So, I don't know, I don't know. But the hot take here is asking the question, if, if Mark comes back in 2023, we get to Jerez, and he can't get at least a podium, is that indication that he is heading down and out?
0: I don't know if I would say that. I think the biggest thing is... Because the he, best he's
1: done since he's come back is fourth place.
0: I think the the indicator is not if he's down and out at all. I think the better indicator is, is he down and out with Honda? So I think if he doesn't do yeah. well in Jerez, I think he's going to another team. And I think he can't go to Aprilia. Um, and I don't think he's going to go to KTM. I think he's going to go either to – he's got to go to Yamaha. I mean, it's like they don't have another rider.
1: It's the only one that is going to have a logical opening for the factory factory team. team. Yeah, that's the only one.
0: Unless he went to Gas Gas. No, that's a KTM.
1: Yeah, I I don't see that happening, though. Yeah, I don't. Because it's still not. I understand that Gas Gas is getting factory equipment, and they're considered kind of like a factory team, but. It's not the same. It's not the same as going to the Red Bull KTM.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, I—I I mean, so the only other thing I could think that he—I mean, Ducati's not going to do this probably, but I mean, if they gave Mark Marquez a Ducati, he would just be such a force to be reckoned with.
1: Yeah, I just—I just don't see it happening.
0: The, my biggest fear is if Mark Marquez went to Ducati, if that's like a fifty-fifty end of his career mm-hmm. or. Best choice of his life. That's the thing. It's not like, uh, I think he's going to do well. It's He's going to either get there, and they're going to give them what he wants, or they're going to fight him every step of the way, and his career is over. And mm-hmm. it's going to be the most lackluster thing you'll see.
1: Yeah, and the bottom line is, is that Ducati doesn't have to. They don't have to do any of that. They don't have to listen to Mark. They don't have to do what he wants. You know why? Because they have a wonderful machine, and they've got like 400 people to choose from to ride it.
0: i don't see i don't know that i would say that they can do whatever they want because the thing is they've won one championship since when it's been like a decade
1: yeah i'm just saying that they have they have proven that they have a great motorcycle and they have eight people right now to ride them
0: their victory is tainted in the fact that people think that the only way they can win is by having eight bikes in the paddock
1: which is why vr46 is going to go to yamaha (laughs) <laughs> right.
0: So, but here's the thing, though. I think uh, Mark Marquez would definitely not ride for VR46. Oh,
1: no. But he would ride for... I think that he would ride for factory Yamaha.
0: I don't know. I think I think Ducati would have to consider Mark Marquez. At least consider it. Because he is so much better than literally anybody that they have. I mean, Andrea bastianini is a great rider. Mm-hmm. But he has not been able to do half of what Mark Marquez has done. Paco Bagnaya. he may have won a championship, but that is one of the most controversial championships I have ever seen. It's not like, you know, it's not like... I don't know. It wasn't like the most satisfying. And, I haven't, he, honestly, and he gets in trouble for drunk driving. Yeah. I, <laughs> I haven't really seen a satisfying championship. I think Fabio's was the only one. I, think the last, like,
1: I enjoyed that one.
0: I think that was the only one that I can safely say was like... When Juan won, I don't think it was... It wasn't very thrilling, I think. You know, not to take anything away from him.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still a world champion.
0: But Ducati's had one championship so far, and it was lackluster at best. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have. So they proved they have a great machine, but I think they would be an absolute just. I think that, that
1: anyone would consider. Yeah. But I don't think that they will do it.
0: But just imagine what they would do for Ducati if you had Mark Marquez go to it and then just... Yeah, but
1: you you have to think about this through the lens of Ducati currently has two Italian men on their bikes and they have to say no to an Italian and yes to a Spaniard in order... No, they're not going to do it. (laughs) Ducati is way too prideful and way too like focused on Italy to be like, oh, we have these Italian riders and we're going to say no to them so we can get a Spanish guy who's better. Yeah. They're going to go, no, our Italian riders are better than him. Like, yeah, th- I, I really think that that's what I
0: agree. I agree. The only other thing I will say is that Alex Marquez will be on a Ducati next year.
1: Yeah. Which gives him the inside scoop. But you also have who, you know, have they built a pretty good relationship, Fabio and Mark, so he can have the inside scoop on how the Yamaha is doing as well. That's true. You know what I'm saying? so, like, I mean, obviously, he's closer to his brother than he is Fabio. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy. So, with that being said, you brought up Mir um, and his world championship.
0: I already know the answer to this. And there's one, <laughs> one correct answer.
1: My hot take, we brought this up a little bit last time. I think that Renz is better than Mir. Oh, I think 100%. Like, after seeing this race... And seeing how he won at COTA, how he did at this race, seeing how he did even in the 2022 season, Renz was awesome. I mean, we both put him very high on our list of best riders of the season. Yeah. Like, he was awesome, and I actually think that he is a better racer than Juan Mir.
0: I think Juan Mir rides more like Valentino. He's really smart. Yeah, smart rider. I think the the season that Juan Muir won the championship, he was just the most consistent rider in the paddock. Right. Um, he
1: won one race, right?
0: Yeah, he's like, I I'm not gonna talk about the championship until I win a race, and then he won one. mm mm-hmm. um, He might have won two.
1: Yeah, I can't remember.
0: Um, but I think the thing about Alex Renz is when he doesn't crash, and that's a big thing. You you can't you can't win a championship if you crash too much. Yeah. But I also think that Alex Rins has a best chance of actually I mean he is I mean if you could take Juan Mir versus Marc Marquez Alex Renz is one of the few people in the history of MotoGP that has actually been able to beat a healthy Marc Marquez one-on-one and I think to me that speaks just so much to Alex mm-hmm. Renz's ability in the fact that like he could push it with Marc Marquez and like actually like stick it to him yeah. With a, a very, very, like, low-developed motorcycle, I yeah. just, you know, to me, he's been able to do, you know, it's like versus, you know, Pecco Bagnaya versus Fabio. You know, when when Pecco wins, there's nobody else around him. You know, someone's crashed. Mm-hmm. When Fabio wins, a lot of times it's like he's fought.
1: Yeah, he's, like, coming across there and bruised he, and beaten.
0: Yeah, and I think the thing with Pecco is when he he has crashed a lot in those kind of high-intensity high-stress high, high stress situations, and right. wipes out. Um, Alex Renz, while he's crashed a lot, I don't think it's necessarily always been in those high-octane moments. It's just been like a fluke mistake. And But yeah. in those moments, it's almost like he gets better.
1: When Renz crashes, he's usually like in reach of a podium, and he just pushes it a little too far trying to get one more position. I think Renz's crashes come from his desire and his like drive as a racer to like win like i just have yeah. to win like and he, just he can't has save a, it like
0: marquez does yeah
1: he has a hard time settling for the points over the victory then does that make sense like he wants he wants the satisfaction of winning the race and he's not thinking about winning the championship I all the time that's
0: one thing that mark marquez and alex Renz have in common mark marquez will go hard every single race mm-hmm. and he will not back off
1: yeah, so I personally think that Rins is better. Yeah, and I think hands down. And I and I'm gonna kind of settle in on that because uh, has just,
0: more podiums, like poles. Sorry, he's got more poles than yeah Virginia does.
1: Yeah, true. So um,
0: that's my hot takes. You got a couple. Let's hear them. Um, so a couple of things. I think they're they're more of a technical hot take. Um, so the first one, Cal Crutchlow was talking about the Yamaha, and he said that he has never seen Yamaha work as hard as it has on its 2023 MotoGP bike. And Cal's pretty straightforward. I don't know what that He's means. He's always honest about it. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I, th- that could mean like, man, they're really, really far behind and they're working really, really hard to just stay like, you know, neutral. Or, I mean, they're working really, really hard and it's going to be beneficial. I mean, hard work doesn't always necessarily equate to success on these sort of things. Because um, you work really hard on a motorcycle, cannot turn out the way you want it to, but you know, I do think there's a lot of things pointing to the fact that the Yamaha might be just a much better machine next year. Yeah. It'll still have the old engine. Yeah, but also, the
1: Suzuki had the four, the inline four.
0: It's true, but, I mean, no one else has been able to make that thing work like Suzuki has.
1: Yeah, but Yamaha hired their engineer.
0: So, I mean, that,
1: <laughs> You know, it'll Yamaha be like, was smart. They went after that guy. Yeah. But here's the thing about the statement that Cal has said. I think that it means that they are because they have had success already um, in some of their testing. They've seen the bike go faster and the riders be happy with what the progress is. They went to the Valencia test and they basically threw everything in the house at the stinking thing. They put a whole brand new motorcycle. And I think that the reason that it didn't perform as fast at that is just because there was so much that they were doing like, I just don't think they had the tune right. Yeah. You know, I think that we're going to see something really different when we get to Sepang. And I think that what he's saying is that they realized all the stuff that they put on the bike in Valencia affected the speed of the bike. So now they're they're taking the data from Valencia and they're making the adjustments in all of these other areas so that they can tune the bike the way it was previously so that it can go faster,
0: yeah, I mean, I think there are there's a lot of things changing on the bike, and I you know at that speed, I feel like every miniature adjustment makes a huge
1: effect. yeah, but i mean to to Yamaha's point, that's what Ducati did, and look what they have. they changed everything on the stinking bike, yeah, yeah, and what they came out with was what they have,
0: they also pushed a lot of rules, like to the very very limit, true, so. Um, That's definitely a Ducati thing.
2: Yeah.
1: Well, and Yamaha was one of the few uh, bikes on the grid that didn't really change their aero package all year. Yeah. um, Where they introduced a whole aero package in Valencia. You know, they had the whole deal. So... I'm ready for the aero to go. Yeah, It's not going anywhere. So...
0: The last one I thought was just kind of interesting. So you have a minimum tire pressure. And so one of the things that I think is interesting that a lot of people who are not track riders... You know, when you just ride right on the road, you you're at like thirty or not. You know, a lot of times you're like close to forty psi. I, yeah, mine's I, thirty on the back, thirty one on the front. Uh, but when you go to the track, I mean, you can you put it a little, quite a bit lower. Um, and it, what that just does is it allows you to it gets you gets you more traction. Your tire flattens out a little bit more. The other thing too that you have to consider is um, the hotter the tire gets the higher the PSI goes. Mm-hmm. there's not There's been a, quite a few times where I've been at the track and I actually have to let out like I let out air before the, the session and then I go back out on the track. You know, the first few sessions and your tires are going from cold to hot and then you have to come back and let out more pressure because it, your PSI has gone up just from mm-hmm. going fast. Um, and so the interesting thing is people have been known already to kind of, if the minimum, you know, PSI is whatever amount, people will go a little bit below it. Well, and um, it's always been, a, like, a suggestion. <laughs> yes, but now MotoGP, they're going to have penalties enforced, and what they're going to do is they actually have a monitor that they will be placing in the wheel of the bike. And so it, they are enforcing...
1: And this is their starting pressure, because yeah. that pressure is obviously going to change, just like you said, once they get going on the track.
0: Yeah, and a lot of the top engineers think that there's going to be a lot less overtaking and more crashing, which, if that's really the case... That stinks because we mm-hmm. already are dealing with arrows. so I don't know what happens.
1: Well, and the aero is making the p- tire pressure go up, which is why one of the reasons why they're starting it with it a little low
0: yeah. because they know that's going to happen. So I think that's going to make the effects of the arrow way, way, way worse. Do you want to hear a fun fact? I do.
1: Suzuki is the only team that actually all season maintained the proper amount of air pressure in their tires. <laughs> They're the only team. They did exactly what they were supposed to do. They didn't go under, and they still were really good, even though—I mean, Wren still won two races. Like, you know what I mean? It's mm. (laughs)
2: just—you
1: know what I mean? So, like, that's one of the things, like, with this tire pressure thing, it is going to affect people. I think it's going to affect Ducati quite a bit um i think that it has the potential to really affect uh ktm because they've already got some tire issues um i think that it's going to affect yamaha pretty heavily because they have had some tire issues with that front tire heating up too much not being able to overtake and things like that i mean everybody's had that to an extent but those are the ones that i think that you've seen really deal with it the most yeah so i i really hope that it doesn't make it more boring um, in that there's no over, not as much overtaking. Uh, they're gonna have to be careful with what I think that it's good that they're gonna put some rules in place because you don't want it to just be hey do whatever you want and then somebody's tire blow off and they crash really bad. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, you don't want to restrict them so much that they can't actually race anymore, and it's just watching people ride around a track and yeah, they're a straight watching line.
0: NASCAR Formula One.
1: Yeah, but. So, yeah, I think that that is um, an interesting point. Uh, I do think, I didn't think about the fact that it would really restrict overtaking and stuff. Yeah. That could be a bad, bad thing.
0: Yep, and I think, uh, you know, that's where Ducati is going to probably be in favor of this decision because if you have the faster bike and you're...
1: I mean, it's the dirty airs behind you. Yeah, so it makes <laughs> your
0: life a whole lot easier if you have the more powerful engine.
1: Which there are some people that have speculated that, uh, what's the dude's name? Gigi uh, Delini. Yeah, G-G. yeah. That he um, developed a lot of these aero things not to really, because you know, the whole point is like downforce on the bike and all that, but a lot of people speculate that that's not really, that's just like a bystander. The point for him was to mess up everybody behind them.
0: Actually, you know one of the things, when they first started doing a lot of arrow, um, the first season, the arrow was so small. If you look at some of those first arrows mm-hmm. on the Ducatis, it was like, does that do anything? Right. And people asked him, and he actually gave the same response that Valentino did to people sticking their leg out. And you know, people ask Valentino, why do you stick your leg out? And he goes, I don't know, but I know why everybody else does. Because yeah. he knew that they were mimicking him.
1: Well, and Ducati's got bukus of money. So they spend all this money and do all these like crazy innovative things. And it forces everyone else to spend that money, even though they may not have it. And a lot of times, there has been plenty of times where they do stuff and it doesn't do anything. And it forced everybody else to spend all this money on development. And then they walk away going, this did nothing and Ducati's like, "Heh heh, you could have spent that money on something that would actually matter." <laughs> you know, but Ducati's got plenty of money.
0: Yeah. I think the interesting thing too is Ducati is owned by Audi.
1: I forgot about that. Yep.
0: Interesting. So, very proud Italian team owned by a German company.
1: <laughs> oh my. Woo.
0: That's yeah, just a little bit of drizzle drizzle. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. That is that's a hot take.
0: That is a hot take.
1: All right. Well, this has been fun. Uh, we want to hear from people, though. Um, we don't hear Especially from Especially our
0: right. participators who are apparently in Dubai.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have... How much is it, Ty? Um, we have 6% of our listen. which... Okay. Let me put this into perspective. We don't have a lot of listens, but... I,
0: you don't need to say that. Just we have thousands of listeners.
1: <laughs> Only 89% of our listeners are in America. And six percent are in Dubai. Okay, so if you're listening in Dubai, that number has consistently went up a little bit. Mm. Listen, if you're listening in Dubai, please go to Instagram, go to Wheel to Wheel Podcast at Wheel to Wheel Podcast, and just send us a a, a DM because I want to know who you are. I think it's crazy. I don't. I want to know how you found out about us because I think it's super cool, and that would be really, really interesting. Also, to know.
0: and our our friends in Germany.
1: Yeah, we got a few in the uh, listening in Germany.
0: I uh, shout out to Alpha Racing.
1: Yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for liking our stuff on Instagram. That meant a lot to us. Uh, but yeah, um, we want to hear from people, so let us know. I'm really, really excited about getting into fantasy in the next uh, in the next season. So yeah. I know that we don't talk about fantasy a lot right now, but it's coming and it's going to be a very heavy focal point. Uh, and then um, my hope is that we will hear from you on what your fantasy opinions are, or you'll let us know if you think that we're crazy. Um, and then we can tell you that we're not. Uh, but connect with us on Instagram at wheel to wheel podcast. Um If you wanted to find us individually at Dakota J. Grag, that's G-R-A-G-G for my last name. And then at underscore T-Y moto underscore. You're welcome. <laughs> um, so... Be sure to rate the podcast, share it with your friends. If you wouldn't mind, it would mean a ton to us if you would take just a few minutes to write a review uh, because that would really help us get out into the world and into the algorithm a little more, and that would just go a long way. So thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.